Chapter Ten of the Money Moon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Money Moon: A Romance by Geoffrey Farnell. Chapter Ten: How Bellew and Adam entered into a solemn league and covenant. Look at the moon tonight, Uncle Porges. I see it. It's awful big and round, isn't it? Yes, it's very big and very round, and rather yellow, isn't it? Very yellow. Just like a great big golden sovereign, isn't it? Very much like a sovereign, my Porges. Well, do you know, I was wondering if there was any chance that it was a money moon. They were leaning out at the lattice, small Porges and big Porges. Anthea and Miss Priscilla were busied upon household matters, wholly feminine, wherefore small Porges had drawn Bellow to the window, and there they leaned the small body enfolded by Bellew's long arm, and the two faces turned up to the silvery splendour of the moon. But now Anthea came up behind them, and, not noticing the position of Bellew's arm as she leaned on the other side of small Porges, it befell that her hand touched, and, for a moment, rested upon Bellew's hand, hidden as it was in the shadow. And this probably began it. The air of Arcadia, as has been said before, is an intoxicating air, but it is more. It is an air charged with a subtle magic whereby the commonest objects, losing their prosaic, matter-of-fact shapes, become transfigured into things of wonder and delight. Little things that pass as mere ordinary commonplaces, things insignificant and wholly beneath notice in the everyday world, become fraught with such infinite meaning and may hold such sublime, such undreamed-of possibilities, here in Arcadia. Thus, when it is recorded that Anthea's hand accidentally touched and rested upon Bellew's, the significance of it will become at once apparent. "'And pray,' said Anthea, laying that same hand in the most natural manner in the world, upon the small Porges's curls, "'pray, what might you two be discussing so very solemnly?' "'The moon,' answered Small Porges. "'I was wondering if it was a money-moon, and Uncle Porges hasn't said if it is yet.' "'Why, no, old chap,' answered Bellew. "'I'm afraid not.' "'And pray,' said Anthea again, "'what might a money-moon be?' "'Well,' explained Small Porges, "'when the moon's just—just so. "'Then you go out and, and find a fortune, you know. "'But the moon's got to be a money-moon.' "'And you've got to know, you know, else you'll find nothing, of course.' "'Ah, <laughs> oh, Georgie, dear,' sighed Anthea, stooping her dark head down to his golden curls, "'don't you know that fortunes are very hard to get, and that they have to be worked for, and that no one ever found one without a great deal of labour and sorrow?' "'Course, everyone can't find fortunes, Auntie Anthea, I know that, but we shall. My Uncle Porges knows all about it, you see.' "'And I know that we shall. "'I'm sure as sure we shall find one some day, "'cause, you see, I put it in my prayers now, "'at the end, you know. "'I say, and please help me and my Uncle Porges "'to find a fortune when the money-moon comes. "'A big one, world without end. Amen. "'So, you see, it's all right, "'and we're just waiting till the money-moon comes, "'aren't we, Uncle Porges?' "'Yes, old chap, yes,' nodded Bellew, "'until the money-moon comes.' And so there fell a silence between them, yet a silence that held a wondrous charm of its own, a 
a silence that lasted so long that the coppery curls drooped lower and lower upon Bellew's arm, until Anthea, sighing, rose, and in a very tender voice bade small Porges say good-night, the which he did, forthwith, slumberous of voice, and sleepy-eyed, and so, with his hand in Anthea's, went drowsily up to bed. Wherefore, seeing that Miss Priscilla had bustled away into the kitchen, Bellew sauntered out into the rose-garden to look upon the beauty of the night. The warm air was fragrant with dewy scents, and the moon, already high above the tree-tops, poured down their gentle radiance upon the quaint old garden with its winding walks and clipped yew-hedges, while upon the quiet, from the dim shadow of the distant woods, stole the soft, sweet song of a nightingale. Bellew walked a path bordered with flowers, and checkered with silver patches of moonlight, drinking in the thousand beauties about him, staring up at the glory of the moon, the indigo of the sky, and listening to the voice of the lonely singer in the wood. And yet it was of none of these he was thinking as he paused under the shadow of King Arthur, nor of small Porges, nor of any one or anything in this world, but only of the sudden light touch of a warm soft hand upon his. "'Be that you, sir!' Bellew started, and now he found that he had been sitting all this while with an empty pipe between his teeth, yet content therewith, wherefore he shook his head and wondered. "'Be that you, Mr. Bellew, sir!' "'Yes, Adam, it is I.' "'Ah, and how might you be feeling now, "'arter your exercise with the pitchfork, sir?' "'Very fit, I thank you, Adam. "'Sit down and smoke, and let us converse together.' "'Why, thank ye, sir,' answered Adam, "'producing the small black clay pipe "'from his waistcoat pocket, "'and accepting Bellew's proffered pouch. "'I've been up to the house a visit and prudence the cook, "'and a rare cook she be, too, Mr. Bellew, sir.' and a rare buxom girl into the bargain, Adam. Oh, ah, well, she's well enough, sir. I won't go for to deny, as she's a fine upstanding, well-shaped, tall, and proper figure of a woman as ever was, sir, though the Kentish lasses be a tidy lot, Mr. Bellew, sir. But, Lord, when you come to think of her gift of Yorkshire puddin', likewise jam-rollers and seed-cakes, which, though mentioned last, ain't by no manner of means least, when you come to think of her brewer ale and cider and ginger wine, why then, I'm took, sir, I'm took altogether, and the old Adam inside of me works herself into such a state that if another chap, especially that there Job Jogway, gets lookin' her way and too often, why it's got to get took out of him, or took out of me in good hard knocks, Mr. Bellew, sir. And when are you going to get married, Adam? Well, sir, we was thinkin' that if Miss Anthea has a good season, this year, we'd get it over and done with some time in October, sir. But it's all accordin'. Accordin' to what? To the ops, sir. The H-O-P-S. Ops, sir. They're comin' on fine. Ah, scrumptious they be. If they don't take the blight, sir, they'll be the finest ops this side of Maidstone. But then, if they do take the blight... Why, then, my hopes is blighted, likewise, sir. B-L-I-T-E-D, blighted, Mr. Bellew, sir. Which said, Adam laughed once, nodded his head several times, and relapsed into puffing silence. 
"'Mr. Cassilis is over to-day, Adam,' said Bellew, after a while, pursuing a train of thought. "'Ah, sir, I seen him. He also seen me. He told me as Job Jagway was up and about again. Likewise Job Jagway will be over here to-morrow, along with the rest of em, for the sale, sir.' "'Ah, yes, the sale,' said Bellew, thoughtfully. "'To think o' that there Job Jagway a-comin' over here to buy Miss Anthea's furniture, do set the old Adam a-workin' inside o' me to that amazing extent as I can't sit still, Mr. Bellow, sir. And if that there Job crosses my path to-morrow, well, let him look out, that's all.' Saying which, Adam doubled up a huge knotted fist, and shook it at an imaginary Job. "'Adam,' said Bellow, in the same thoughtful tone, I wonder if you would do something for me. Anything you ax me, sir, so long as you don't want me to— I want you to buy some of that furniture for me. What? exclaimed Atom, and vented his great laugh again. Well, if that ain't a couldn't, sir, and it's just what I'm a-going to do. You see, I ain't what you might call a rich cove, nor yet a millionaire, but I've got a bit put by, and I drawed out ten pound yesterday. Thinks I— "'Ears to save Miss Anthea's old sideboard, or the mirror as she's so fond of, or, if not, why then, a cheer or so. They ain't a-goin' to get it all, not while I've got a pound or two, I says to myself.' "'Adam,' said Bellew, turning suddenly, "'that sentiment does you credit. That sentiment makes me proud to have knocked you into a ditch. Shake hands, Adam.' And there, beneath the great apple-tree, while the moon looked on, they very solemnly shook hands. "'And now, Adam,' pursued Bellew, "'I want you to put back your ten pounds, keep it for prudence, "'because I happen to have rather more than we shall want. "'See here.' "'And with the words, Bellew took out a leathern wallet, "'and from this wallet money and banknotes. "'More money and more banknotes than Adam had ever beheld "'in all his thirty-odd years.' at sight of which his eyes opened, and his squared jaw relaxed, to the imminent danger of his cherished clay pipe. "'I want you to take this,' Bellew went on, counting a sum into Adam's nerveless hand, "'and to-morrow, when the sale begins, if anyone makes a bid for anything, I want you to bid higher, and no matter what, you must always buy. Always, you understand. But, sir, that there old drawing-room cabinet with the carvings. Buy it. And the silver candlesticks, and the four-post bedstead, and the— Buy em, Adam. Buy everything. If we haven't enough money, there's plenty more where this came from. Only buy. You understand? Oh, yes, sir, I understand. How much have you give me? Why, here's forty-five, fifty, sixty. Lord! Put it away, Adam. Forget all about it till to-morrow. "'And not a word, mind.' "'A hundred pound!' gasped Adam. "'Lord! Oh, I, I won't speak of it. Trust me, Mr. Bellew, sir. But to think of me a-walking about with a hundred pound in my pocket! Lord! I won't say nothing. But to think of old Adam with a hundred pound in his pocket! Ecod! It do seem that comical!' Saying which, Adam buttoned the money into a capacious pocket, slapped it, nodded, and rose. "'Well, sir, I'll be going. There be Miss Anthea in the garden yonder, and if she was to see me now, there's no saying but I should be took a-laughing to think o' this ere hundred pound.' "'Miss Anthea? Where?' "'Coming through the rose-garden. 
she be off to see old Mother Dibbon. They call Mother Dibbon a witch, and now, as she's down with the rheumatics, there ain't nobody to look after her, except Miss Anthea. She'd a starved afore now if it hadn't been for Miss Anthea. But Lord love your eyes and limbs, Mr. Bellew, sir. Miss Anthea don't care if she's a witch, or fifty witches, not she. So, good night, Mr. Bellew, sir, and mum's the word. Saying which, Adam slapped his pocket again, nodded, winked, and went upon his way. End of chapter 10